Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Thursday. Yes, it's Thursday. I was trying to keep my 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 consistent consistency going by being late this morning, since I've been late every day this week. But unfortunately, I broke. Broke the cycle. Today. Yeah, you were on time today. Sadly. Now, uh, shout out to my baby girl, Madison. Uh, she's my oldest. She's 16. She went on her first, I don't want to say a trip, but I guess a trip by herself. She went to L.A. by herself to see her godparents, and I was shook the whole flight every 15 minutes watching the flight on Google to make sure everything was all right, but she made it back safe last night at 9 o'clock, so I'm happy my baby girl is back. Oh, that's great. If you think your anxiety was bad for that, wait till she goes on her first date. She's already been on her first date. I went with her, though. Yeah, wait till she goes on her first date by herself. She probably has. No, with she an, hasn't. With another 16-year-old that can drive. No, well, we're having that uh, problem in our home now. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's a young man that would like to, uh, uh, I, I guess, take her out, but <laughs> I don't feel uh, comfortable, per uh, se, with anybody else driving her right now, so she cannot go. I don't blame you. Unless we all go. They can Uber or Lyft. I don't know. I don't want Just my tell her to wait until she's over. 21 when it's safe. That's what I told her. That's all. I told her 24. It's safer to go out on a date when you're 21. 24? 24 is good, too. 20, I that. said 24. I'm not mad at that. When did you and Gia start dating? It was a different time. Different era. I'm just different asking a question. How old? Different era. Uh, 15 and, and 16. Oh, okay. Way different era, buddy. Yeah, way different Now, era. when can Logan, your oldest son, start dating? We haven't had that discussion yet. I'm thinking 18 for him, too. 18 is good. You know what I mean? Well, right now we're we're into football well, and basketball. Well, you just gotta make sure you're across the board fair. I don't, I don't know, know about no, that. Don't. I don't know about no, that. Don't. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, we don't. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, exactly. It sounds I, good. Listen, see, that's the whole thing. You know, everybody. No, I don't. That's my daughter. No, I don't. Sounds oh, good, I don't but have you know, to be fair and across the board with that. You know, nope. I know. Hey, listen, I know what's on these guys' minds out here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm protecting my daughter for as long as I can. We'll all go on a date. <laughs> we all go. All right. Well, we have uh, New York City Mayor, Mayor Bill de Blasio, joining us and his wife, Shirlene. First, very, la- First Lady Shirlene McCray. It, it's very important to say that they came... Yesterday. Yes. Yesterday after because the show. there was a shooting in uh, Brooklyn yesterday. There was a shooting in Brooklyn yesterday where a man was killed holding a pipe. Cops mistook for a gun. Right. So... If you don't hear us talking to Bill de Blasio about that, it's because he came yesterday. Right before that happened. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so we'll talk to him. And uh, what else are we talking about in Front Page News, I mean, that's really the big story today. If we get to it, we'll be talking about Facebook and them sharing data. But we are going to be talking about this uh, man who was shot and killed in Brooklyn by the NYPD. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into it. Front Page News is next. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Wake your ass up. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee. Charlamagne the God. We are the Breakfast hey, Club. Hey, what's happening? Good morning. Let's get in some front page news. 
Now let's talk about what happened in Brooklyn yesterday. Tragic situation in Crown Heights in Brooklyn around 4.40 p.m. Saheed Vassal, who's 34 years old and suffered from bipolar disorder, was shot and killed by the police. Now, according to the police, they received 911 calls Wednesday evening of a man aiming what callers described as a silver firearm at people in Brooklyn. Three different 911 callers described a man with a gun pointing it at people on the streets. When officers did arrive at the scene, they found a man matching that description. And the suspect then, according to the police officers, took a two-handed shooting stance and pointed an object at the approaching officers. That's when four officers discharged their weapons, striking the man. They gave him first aid and called for an ambulance where he was pronounced dead at the hospital. Now, this is a tough one. The reason I say this is a tough one, because if you get four or five 911 calls, people say that somebody's holding a gun, and then you pull up and you see somebody holding a silver object like that. In a shooting stance. Yeah, that's a tough but, one. But this is also where they say that, you know, having a cop from that community would have known that he maybe been a little bipolar. off or yeah, bipolar, yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. even growing up, there was a kid, and, and I hate to, to say the story, we called him the E-kid the, the e because... He was he had Down syndrome, and but everybody knew his who he was, and he was bipolar, and he would run up and down the block. Sometimes he had no clothes on, but everybody knew him. And if we seen it, we would call That's his mom or, or you know call the police. It, it wouldn't be a problem or situation. That's a very good point. And right, if you and look for, at that picture, that picture does look like a gun. But the police officers, though, when they did get those nine one one calls saying that someone was, they said if that they had been told that they were responding to the call of a disturbed person, it, things would have been handled differently potentially. But because the right. call said that it was someone who was holding a firearm and pointing it at people, that's why it was handled the way that it was. Unfortunately, so people in the community didn't know the brother. They didn't know. They that? knew. They, they said he was a little weird. That's what I'm saying. So why they didn't call and say, look. You know, I don't even even call his family or something if they knew that he was off. Well, this is a very uh, busy street, too. It's on Utica Avenue and Empire Boulevard. I'm from Brooklyn, and that's a pretty busy corner. So people calling might not have been people that live there. They could have been going to catch the train. They could have been going to the bus stop. So the people calling might not have been the people that know him. It could have just been anybody on the street. Waiting for a bus or a train or whatever it may be. But I guess it's still, uh, you know, the police... Is there, there's no other way for the for them to handle these situations? Like, what happened to de-escalation? I mean, not if they thought it was a gun. If they thought it was a gun and he was in shooting stands, they're going to... Yeah. They yeah. Now, his dad said cops could have handled the situation differently. He said there must be a way to save this person than to kill them. Aren't the police trained how to defend themselves and prevent killing a mental person? And, you know, one woman was crying. They don't want to bridge the gap between us. They want to kill us. And people were saying they didn't try to help him. After he was shot and killed, they said that was not CPR that they gave him. Well, prayers go out to the family of uh, Saheed Vassell. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't know how police handle these situations anymore. I don't know how we handle these situations anymore. Like, it's got to come a point in time where they got to have more compassion. But this is a, this is a tough one, man, because that, that, that object did look like a gun. And if he was in a shooting stance, I mean, Jesus Christ, especially after getting four or five calls saying that a person had a gun. I don't know. Yeah, but it goes back to, the, you know, they said he was a little off, a little weird. He was bipolar. That, he was bipolar, but if there was a police officer in the community, maybe he would have known, and maybe it would have been like, that's Saeed, he's, he's, he's bipolar, let's deal with this different, let's make sure it's really a weapon, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I, mean, I just hate how these mistakes are always fatal. Like, there's no coming back from these mistakes. Like, it's just certain jobs you should not be allowed to make mistakes on. Well, and, if, and if we didn't see so many of these happen across the country, then we probably could probably feel a little understand different. this right. mistake a little bit more, but this don't seem like a mistake because we see it all the time. Right. 
All right. Well, that's front page news. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you're upset, you need to vent, hit us up right now. Maybe you had a bad night or a bad situation, or maybe you want to spread some positivity. Whatever it may be, phone lines are wide open. 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Angel. Angel, good morning. Yes, me and my daughter listen to you guys every morning. We deliver newspapers. Okay. Hey, I want to thank you and your daughter for having no taste. We really appreciate uh, you. Stop it. Where you where you calling from? From Bethany Beach right now. What's yeah. on the cover of the paper today? Delaware? Yes, Delaware. What's on the cover of the paper today? A guy with basketball in the news journal and a a whale looking thing. A whale looking thing. How old is your daughter? Why is she out why is she working with you so early? My daughter is one and a half and that goes back to the whole child thing. I'm trusting body with her. Oh, I ain't mad got at you. you, got so you, you got you. So you bring her out with you. So you bring her out with you. And and can't quite afford a city yet. Nope. I know. Me and my husband both work. We got four kids. Yo, your arm must be amazing. I tried to throw a paper one time across the street. I couldn't do it. You could throw the papers from the car and hit the uh the front stoop? Yeah, you gotta have a good arm to especially be able to throw a cloak the car. Okay. A nice flick of the wrist. There you go. Well, thank you for listening, Mama. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say, you know, everybody has bad days, but you gotta think somebody else has it worse than you, so always be positive. There you go. Thank you, Mama. Have a good day. You too. Hello, who's this? Yeah, hi, this is Shima. Hey, Shima, get it off your chest. Yeah, I was calling about my friend Sahih Zazzle. I heard your comments about him on the on the radio and stuff, but at the end of the day, Sahib was the type of person, he won't harm a fly. He, this happened in his neighborhood where he grew up from a child. So the store clerks know him, the passerbyers know him, the police in that area even knows him. So when they got the call and they seen the face, they should have known exactly who what, who they was dealing with and what they were dealing with. Right. And a shower head to a gun, you can't tell the difference. Now, I will say on that picture I saw, it, it did look like a gun from the angle the that I saw it. The on the paper is foggy, it's fuzzy. It doesn't do no justice for him, the picture they put on the, the cover of the paper. But people did call and say, a few people did call 911 and say he was holding a gun. There was a man with a gun. Yeah, a few people that, I don't know why they said that, because when they show pictures like this, pictures all over Facebook, there's, fake, there's Facebook Live photos where the police is pounding on him which they claim they did CPR. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I agree that there should have been officers from the neighborhood that that should have known him and known that he was bipolar or whatever, you know. But I'm sorry for it's your a loss, tragic Mama. Situation. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not making no excuses for the police either because we see this yeah. uh, happen all across the country. So, you know, it's hard to look at this and say, oh, they made a mistake when we see it happen all the time. Yes, it just happened in Sacramento. What kills me is because I, I see it all the time. I'm raising three boys. And to know what happened to one of my childhood friends, it's so sad. Yeah, and I wonder what is there like any Sorry type again, of mama. due process or protocol from the time you get to the nine one one call to, to to the time you show up? Like, do you just show up as a cop with guns drawn? Like, let's yes. let's go. If they say that there's a, a somebody out there with a gun running around, they have to show up with their guns drawn. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. They got three calls, so it's not like they said, okay, we got a call. Maybe no, they got three calls with a man running around with a gun. They yeah. got to come with guns drawn. I mean, listen, this is a tough one. I'm not even mm-hmm. saying like I'm, I'm looking at the pictures that they showed on Revolt just now. I can see where they may, may have mistook that for a gun. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you're upset, you need to vent. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you.
from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Hey, good morning. There's Charlie Boy calling in from Brooklyn. How's it going? Charlie Boy, what's popping? Get it off your chest. Yeah, man. Basically, you know, I think it could have worked both ways with that guy. May he rest in peace, you know? Mm-hmm. It came in as a 911 call, right? And he said that it was a man with an object, and he could possibly be, you know, disturbed, right? So the, why did this guy, she should have put it out as an emotionally disturbed person, which is an EDP. And then basically, I understand that the, the, the code of the street, you got to arrive alive. You know, a man with a gun, you need to cut to the scene and you got to arrive alive. So I totally understand that I'm with that. I think like you guys said up there as well, you know, they know, okay, well, you know what? That could be this guy. You know what I mean? The police know in his neighborhood, the guy that's running that sector could be like, you know what? Basically... That's probably this dude. That's probably Akiva or whatever. You know, let's let's try to, you know, let's ride a lot, but let's take a different, you know, measure to the situation, you know? Right. And, you know, it's unfortunately that, you know, it's, it's somebody's life, you know? I mean, they, they got to do what they got to do, but at the end of the day, man, we're not, you know, the police are not, uh, you know, responding to kill, man. It's, it's, it's you know, we got to protect and serve. Yeah, I wonder, you know I get, so, do, they, do they give warnings? Like, do they, they just jump out and start firing, or do they be like, freeze, put the gun down? They don't give a warning? See, they didn't have their body cameras I mean, on, think, so we don't know exactly think, what happened. I think back in the day, you see, I grew up in Coney Island, so, you know, we surrounded by, you know, you got housing precincts, 6 old precincts. They used to come with their guns drawn. And straight up, I was on the floor with my hands out already. I didn't give them a job. But, hey, I ain't got nothing. Yeah, I, I, yeah, never, yeah. I never did anything. I just I just dropped to the floor. Right. Now, mind you, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm Polish and Italian. So I'm the only, I'm, I was like the second family that grew up in Coney Island, the only white family that grew up in Coney Island. So right away, I want to comply to the fullest. You know what I mean? I don't want to fail to comply because I didn't want to be a statistic as, you know, as a young man growing up. Right. You know, yeah. even though I grew up in a tough neighborhood, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, man, you know, it's somebody's life, somebody's got to bury their child, man. So sad, man. Thank yeah, you for calling. they said the NYPD is refusing to say if the responding officers warned uh, Saheed before they started firing. And they mm. don't have the body camera footage, so we don't know exactly what happened when they jumped out. Hello, who's this? I'm Steven Tiller. Hey, Steven, get it off your chest. Um, I want to talk about blessed today. Okay, why are you blessed, brother? Today is my birthday, and I'm on my way to the Bahamas right now. All right, happy oh, birthday. Oh, that's dope. I just also, went to the Bahamas. iPhone Sim. Today's iPhone Sim birthday, man. Happy birthday to y'all, bro. Thank you, man. Enjoy that vacation. Hey, you got a girl with you? Uh, he hung up already. I hope you got a girl and no condoms. Hello, who's this? Uh, this is Sequoia and a girl with no condom, what? Oh, no, I'm talking to our last <laughs> caller. He's going to the Bahamas, boo. I was just, you know, telling him what he should bring and not bring. That's all. What's up, Sequoia? Get it off your chest. Um... Good morning. Two things. I want to say DJ NZ asked for you to make the wild back. You never gave it to me, but that's okay. Whatever. People's choice. They didn't give a choice. But, um... What she asked with, with, the, with the Brooklyn shooting, I'm, I'm in the... Uh, well, I was in the Marine Corps. I just got out for the rest. When somebody fires at us and says Charlemagne's my friend and he gets shot, but somebody puts their weapon up, we're no longer allowed to kill that person. Why should the police be able to kill that person? And they're no longer a threat. Now, the shooter in Brooklyn, he was holding a weapon. I'm pretty sure there's other ways to disarm him. Like, why do they never shoot people in the leg? Baby, why Why, why you never... had to start the story off with me getting shot? I mean, I, you, could, you, could, you could have explained the situation believe, without Charlemagne getting I shot. When they, when they used I'm it for... just saying, you know, you, you, you would be my friend. And you get killed. I'm and glad it was you, Charlamagne. They're, I mean. no they're no longer a threat. You can't, you can't kill that person. I'll, yeah, yeah, no, gotta, I'll be sad if Charlamagne got shot. Shut up. Fire those rounds. Yeah, I can't tell cops how to do their job, you. but if they jumped out of this car and they didn't give a warning before they fired, fired 10 rounds, I think something's a little bit wrong there. I think you should, you know, I mean, I, I, like I said, just, hey, put your gun down, fire a shot, see what happens. But I guess 
I guess they got to worry about their lives too, man. This is a tough. This is a tough situation if you're actually being objective. I mean, about the situ- it. If, if he was pointing a the gun, they they're not gonna say put your gun down because if the gun is pointing at them, you know, because you yeah. don't know when the gun's gonna go off. And the sad thing about it, if there's four cops, if one cop shoots, they don't know if the bullet is coming from the cop, if it's coming from him, where the bullet's coming from. So everybody just starts. But shooting. we have seen plenty of situations where people have had guns and weapons in their hand, and cops be like, they they do say put the gun down at first. If you don't put that gun down, then they unload on your ass. I mean, we've seen that a, a lot of different, numerous times. Well, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. You got rumors on the way? Yes, Bow Wow has a new TV show in the works. It looks like he has a good sense of humor about something. And Tyrese, he has a big announcement. So congratulations to Tyrese. And okay. let him know New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio will be here next hour, too. Yep, the man and his wife will be joining us next hour, New York City Mayor. So. But we talked to them yesterday. Mm-hmm. We just playing it back today. All right, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Cardi B album comes out tomorrow. tomorrow. Tonight, midnight. Tonight, midnight. Yeah, yes. man. Drop one of clues bombs for Cardi B. Can't right. kiss my ass, okay? I like seeing Cardi come up the way that she's come up over the past four to five years, okay? And Absolutely. we'll be debuting songs tonight, too, as well, locally on Power 105. But if you have the app, you can listen to it through there. Yeah, and uh, tomorrow morning as well in the mix, we'll be playing all Cardi B. But let's get to the rumors we're talking about, Cardi B. It's about time. What's going on? Yo. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Cardi B did put out the track listing for her new album, Invasion of Privacy. Now, from what we can see from what she posted, there's a song which we've heard, Drip, featuring Amigos. And Mm -hmm. also, we've heard this one too, Bardier Cardi featuring 21 Savage. Mm -hmm. But she did say in the caption, track list, I have some surprises. I know you have some questions. Don't ask me and just find out on Friday. Thank you. I posted Cardi's track list yesterday and uh, somebody had the nerve to jump in my comments and say, look at you riding waves. Per usual. That's very insulting. Especially mm-hmm. when I used to be up here four years ago saying Cardi's a star and Cardi B for president and y'all would tell me that I was trolling. Okay? When we was playing Cheap Ass Weave up here on cheap the radio. Remember that? Oh, that was still a hit. Drop on a clues bomb for Cheap Ass Weave. <laughs> People said we was trolling. Now she's a real live star and we riding her wave. Knock it off. All right. Now, congratulations to Tyrese and his wife. They are expecting a daughter. Now, Tyrese posted, it's not a rumor, so proud to share the news. We're pregnant. Take my hand and never let go. I will love you and stand with you through thick and thin. From my heart, our love will inspire others to lovers to love deeper. Take my hand, and wherever you lead me, I will follow you around the world. So Congratulations. Congrats to Congratulations Tyrese. to Tyrese and his wife. Pray for Tyrese's wife and future daughter. All right. Now, Russell Simmons is saying that his rape accuser is lying. He says a woman accusing him of sexual assault sent him loving texts and even nudes after the alleged rape and that her lawsuit is nothing more than a cash grab. In these documents, he says that he and Jennifer Jarosik had a casual relationship for over a decade and occasionally had sex, but it was always consensual. He also says that she would frequently send him loving messages and unsolicited nude photos, including after the alleged 2016 rape and long after another 2011 sexual assault he claims that she has publicly accused him of. Well, if, you're cl- if Russell's claiming to be innocent, then you you got to provide proof for that, right? So you got to fight back. So he's fighting back. So yeah, he's fighting back. It's the first time we heard Russell. They must have pissed Russell off. Russell must have said enough's enough now. Now I he also says no that well, she, court. she has been found by a court to have a propensity to exaggerate and to suffer from untreated mental health issues. So he says that her claims are complete fiction. Mm-hmm. So that's his side. And she is suing him for millions and she has accused him 
of being aggressive with her, assaulting her, and proceeding to rape her when she refused to have sex with him at his home in 2016. But by the way, I like when these things go to court because when they go to court, then you know everybody gets their due process and uh, proper evidence is presented. It's right. not just he say, she say. It's not just you know he did it and then him saying, no, I didn't. Now, once again, Bow Wow has confirmed that he does have this Bow Wow Challenge TV show. He posted the crazy thing is the Bow Wow Challenge TV show is real. I start shooting next month. I turned a F up into a million dollars. How do we know that's not a Bow Wow Challenge? We can't trust Bow Wow. Well, I guess we'll see soon (laughs) enough. We can't trust him. I know what he told DJ Drama, but we don't we don't know if that's even real. That might he might be Bow Wow challenging us when he said that. All right, now Gary Owen versus Michael Blackson is not slowing down. And now remember, it all started when Gary Owen was on The Breakfast Club and Michael Blackson responded to him after that. You funny to Michael Blackson? <laughs> Man, he one trick pony. You know, mother sucker. After that, what you got? Tell me your favorite Michael Blackson joke. Rest my case. <laughs> Gary Owen, you cracker <laughs> honky bitch. You want to be black so bad, don't you? Well, f- you n***a. Now say it back. I didn't think so, you wet dog smelling bitch. F- you. All right, well, Gary Owen did respond. He posted, the white guy's changing color joke is a stock joke. Try again. Well, you dared me to say the N-word, so here you go, homie. I take no L's. Here we go. Michael Blackson, I heard you said I won't say the N-word back to you. You dared me. I ain't got to say it back. My lady will say it for me. I got a down-ass chick. Michael Blackson, you punk ass. Nah. Ho. <laughs> Michael Blackson, you bitch ass. Nah. <laughs> I wish I could say it. First of all, drop on the clues bomb for that Gary Owens interview. I did not know that Gary Owens interview was going to turn into a Thanksgiving There's turkey. There's no S at the end, he always says. Or Gary Owens. Mm-hmm. You know, I call interviews like that a Thanksgiving turkey because they last seven days after Well, Michael Blackson responded back, and he said, this is so cute, a.k.a. Malibu Most Wanted, but I wish you didn't get Mrs. Owens involved or that little fake-ass chihuahua puppy chow-ish. Here you go. I don't touch wives, but she helped you call me a n- so I'm going to tell you exactly why she's with you. She's with you for your 800 FICA score. In about two weeks, her brothers are going to rob you. And when your comedy money runs out, she's going to leave you and your baby pink for a big mutumbo and get a blood infection. you, you colonizer. You hunky cracker bitch. By the way, hypocrites, uh, all you hypocrites out there, you can't love Lil Dicky and Chris Brown's Freaky Friday song but then be mad at Gary Owens. Gary Owens did the same thing Lil Dicky did. He called you an N-word through an N-word. Okay? Okay. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Front page news is next. What are we talking about, Yee? Uh, We are going to talk about an awful, tragic situation that happened in Brooklyn yesterday. We'll give you the rundown on how a man ended up getting killed and he was unarmed. All right. We'll talk to, uh, we'll get into that when we come back. And also, the mayor of New York City and his wife will be joining us next hour, so don't move. No, very important to say that we interviewed them yesterday mm-hmm. because we that happened, We talked to them before the Brooklyn shooting. By right. The way. Mayor Bill de Blasio and the First Lady, Shirlane McRae. Yeah, as well next hour. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Let's talk about this sad shooting that happened in Brooklyn last night. Yes, this was in Crown Heights in Brooklyn. It was on Utica Avenue and Empire Boulevard. This happened in the afternoon around 4.40 p.m. Mm-hmm. A man who was on the streets in Brooklyn with what appeared to be a firearm was fatally shot by the cops. They later determined that weapon was not a gun. It was a metal pipe. Sahid Vassal, his family said he suffered from bipolar disorder. And three witnesses called 911 to report that a man wearing a brown jacket was pointing what they described as a silver firearm at people on the street. That's when four cops 
Three of them were in plain clothes and one was in uniform, fired a total of 10 shots, and they struck him several times and killed him. Now, according to the NYPD chief of department, Terrence Monahan, he said that the officers were responding not to a call of a disturbed person that might have been handled differently. This was a call of a man that 911 callers felt was pointing a gun at people on the street. When we encounter him, he turns with what appears to be a gun at the officers. Now, the man's father, Eric Vassell, said his son suffered from bipolar disorder and that he drank sometimes, but he was definitely not a bad person. People in the neighborhood knew him. Mm-mm-mm. And people are very distraught and upset about the police-involved shooting and the fact that he was not holding a weapon at all. Well, first of all, rest in peace to the family of Saheed. Uh, you know, prayers definitely go up for them. But yeah, condolences to the family. Condolences to them, but this is a tricky one man because when I look at the pics I can see how that object was mistaken for a gun but mm-hmm. you see so many of these situations throughout the country that you can't just chalk this up as a mistake you know not to mention right. did NYPD warn him before they started firing and when they make these like there's certain jobs you just can't make a mistake you can't yeah, make a mistake as a surgeon can't. and you can't make a mistake as a police officer but they make a lot of mistakes all the time and this is what we always say that's why we need more cops from the community because maybe if there was somebody from the community they would have known him they would have known he was bipolar they would have known he might have been a little off and mm-hmm. been able to you know defuse the situation but even the people that call don't people in the community know him like, wouldn't they say, oh, that's Saheed? Like uh, he said earlier, Utica is a, is a busy block. It could have been somebody just catching a bus and seeing him in, like, 911. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't have to know who he it was. It could have been somebody driving by. Driving by, yeah, just anything. reported as they were driving past, like, oh, we mm-hmm. just saw somebody running down the block. We don't know who called 911. I just don't know why NYPD didn't, or did they? Did they yell, know. drop your gun? We or, don't know yet. They haven't disclosed the that information. Down. We do know they didn't have body cameras on when right. they came and showed up at the scene, and three of them were plain clothes. It is just kind of crazy where it goes from a 911 call the police showing up, the 10 rounds fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's kind of crazy. And according to the police officers, what they are saying, and, um, I mean, there's some surveillance footage from cameras that are, I guess, in the area, but not from body cameras. But what they are saying is that he turned and brandished what they thought was a gun and pointed it at them. They said in shooting stands. I mean, this is a tough one because it, it did look like a gun, and I'm sure the cops said, you know, I want to make it home, and... But I, I don't know. I mean, I just wish that there would have been more people from the community and might have said, you know what, this guy is off a little bit. Let's He's not known for this. Let's see what it is first. But but it pisses you off because we've seen videos seen of, before. Of, of white Correct. men, white men with objects in their hand or white men with weapons, and that, that situation always finds a way to be de-escalated, mm-hmm. you know, before shots are fired, right. if shots are fired at all, okay? Seen all right, well, we will keep you updated because this happened yesterday, so they are still... Uh, briefing and investigating, mm-hmm. yes. All right. Well, that's front page news. Now, when we come back, we have the mayor of New York City and his wife, Bill de Blasio, and his wife, Shirlane, here. So we'll kick now, it with now them. it's very important to say we talked to them yesterday. We did speak with Be- them yesterday after the, sh- the show. Before, before the, the shooting, shooting in right. Brooklyn. So we'll get that on next and uh, keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have some special guests in the building. We have the mayor of New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio, and his lovely wife, the first lady, Charlene. Hey! Charlene. Did I say it right? Charlene. Charlene. Come on. Charlene McCray. And I just want to tell you, I went over it with him several times this morning. I was like, it's Charlene, it's Charlene. So make sure you say it right. Envy, what is so hard, Envy, about Charlene? Come on, say it with me. Say it with me. Charlene. Well, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? Thank you. The mayor got him a sister, man. Round of applause to the mayor. For that, man. At what age did you know you were going black and never going back, Mr. Mayor? I cannot tell a lie to you. 
I had never dated a black woman before I met Shirlane McRae. Wow. And I was, that was 1991, so I was 30 years old. And I did not know what to do. <laughs> I did not, I, they, they do not give you a handbook. No. <laughs> no. I consulted, because I was working for David Dinkins at the time, so many of my colleagues were black, so I said, what do you do? Like, Help me understand, am I supposed to do this, am I supposed to do that? You mean as far as kicking game to it, like? Or just like... Courting. Courting. Yes. And they just said, be yourself. It's no different. Just be yourself. But now I was like, I was captivated by her, the person. And I will say, once I met Shirlane, I never went back to any other woman. Wow. wow. So you guys were both out of your comfort zone, because Shirlane, had you ever dated a white man before? No. What did your family think, Shirley? <laughs> my family was cool. My family was very cool. Um, hmm. It was. It was. He said, hmm. it, no, know, her family was good. My, my family, family was cool. His family was had to struggle a little bit more with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very different experience, but he was so charming. That, that was what got me. Is mm-hmm. that he was so easy to talk to. Mm-hmm. He's not just your regular white guy. He was like. Does he have soul? He had soul. He had soul. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he just, he really captured me. Her family was amazing because it was a shock to them. Mm-hmm. We went up for... Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Yeah. Oh, that's Kwanzaa. black. We went up for Kwanzaa. <laughs> that's black. And I had never yeah. done Kwanzaa. You got thrown right into the deep, the deep <laughs> end of the black pool. Very much. I had to learn to say Kuji Chakalia, which <laughs> took some work. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> but, but they were very welcoming mm-hmm. and giving me every chance. My family, most of my family was very good. My mom took a long time to adjust because I remember very vividly it was one of these great moments. I called her and I said, hey, you know, I'm going out with this new woman. I'd love to bring her over sometime. And she says, what's her name? And I said, her name's Shirlane. And it was a long pause. My mother said, exactly what kind of name is that? Her last name Jenkins. Yeah, right. And, and my mother was a very good liberal person, but she had to grapple. Mm. And she went through her struggles with it. And then finally, this, everyone says this. Everyone would tell us about this if you were in a multiracial couple, that when your first child comes along, Everyone melts. Mm-hmm. Everyone opens up. And lo and behold, our daughter Kiara came along. And then suddenly my mother thought Shirlane was like the greatest person in history. Because oh. <laughs> she was the one who brought her her granddaughter. Oh. Now, when, you see, when you see the injustices that happen to black people in this country, I'm sure it affects you a different way yeah. because of your family. So what can law enforcement be doing better to like, ensure the safety of black civilians? It's got to start with changing all of the assumptions about common humanity. You know, there is not an assumption of common humanity. And we got to get there. And one of the things we're trying to do in New York, we're doing implicit bias training because we're all biased, every single human being, because of culture, family, whatever. Very true. We got to bring that out. So that's part of it. We're training de-escalation. I mean, it's a really important concept. If you get into a situation, how do you bring it down immediately and try and use the least force? Um, these things are making a huge difference. But it's also with the, the core, core philosophy we have is neighborhood policing. And it's very much about humanity. Officers now trained, you have to learn the names of the people in the neighborhood you serve. You have to stop into the stores. You have to meet the clergy. You have to meet the grandma on the block who knows what's going on and say good morning. And by the way, it's a two-way street. You know, then that also encourages community members to say good morning to the police officer or thank you when they do something to help them. We're encouraging the officers now give out your cell phone number, your work cell phone, your, your email, so that people feel the officer directly works for them. That's actually the goal, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, the officer, I always use the analogy of the villages we all come from. Every single one of us comes from a village, not so long ago in our ancestral history. In the village, there were guardians. Guardians were of and by and for the village. And there was no sense of separation or bias or disconnect. Mm -hmm. 
part of how you get back to that is people actually finding each other's common humanity. And I always say, I want, I want our officers, if they see a young man walking up to them, I want to feel like they want, I want them to feel like that's their own son, their own nephew. Right. Feel that connection. I think that is teachable in the sense of a strategy that encourages constant dialogue and mutual respect. We haven't had that. Let's face that. It has not been the norm in American policing. As we started to apply it, we see a lot less use of force, and we see many fewer tragedies, thank God. But at the same time, we're getting safer. A lot of people used to say, oh, if you do that kind of thing, oh, that's like social work. Oh, that's so soft. No, it actually also helps you stop crime because now like the community is in it with the police and vice versa. How do we break down that, the blue, quote-unquote, blue wall of silence where we feel like the cops are out for the community and not just to hold each other down like it's a fraternity or a sorority? I think it is part of ending that artificial disconnect, like the shirt you're wearing. It's like it used to be, well, it's community against the police and, you know, we go in the battle. I mean, think about that for a moment. It used to be almost a combat mentality of going in the neighborhoods, not being of them and protecting them together, but having to deal with a problem, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that never worked. It, it was corrosive in so many ways. I think if you say, okay, there's no need for a wall if you're actually establishing that common link. And it's just very, very different when there's a dialogue. I mean, I've seen this over and over again. I go up to the officers who are part of this neighborhood policing. I ask them what they experience. One of the first things they say to me is, people come up to them all the time and offer them the information they need and say, you know, here's a problem. Here's a beef between two gangs that's getting out of hand. Here's, you know, we know someone stole something, whatever it might be. That is encouraging, you know, a sense of everyone's trying to achieve the same thing. Everyone wants to stop violence. I mean, it's another interesting example is the cure violence movement in this city which we believe in fundamentally in this administration. We've really deeply supported the cure violence movement. It has a very different role to play than police. You know, gang interrupters, violence interrupters, a lot of different names that uh, is used for. Very different role in police. But one of the things we encourage is police to respect that movement, and that, that's been a real breakthrough, because that's a movement of the community trying to stop violence from the grassroots. We now see our police understanding that's an allied movement, even if it has a different role to play. That has changed a lot of the tonality, too. Because when community members see these good young people trying to struggle against violence, and they see the police respecting that, it sends a very powerful message. I've heard y'all mention uh, the us versus them concept. A lot of times the them includes the politician. So is it possible to be objective when you're a politician and this is an issue between police and citizens? Because the police, are, you got to kind of side with the police because that's your people, right? Or do you? Mm-hmm. I, it's a great, great question. Actually, you're the first person to ever said it like that. You're exactly right. That's the way the world has set up for so long. The breakthrough we're trying to achieve here is... No, first of all, of course, we serve the people. If people feel disconnected from the police, something's wrong. I had an officer, happened to be a young white man, happened to be uh, five years on the force. I said, what's it been like? He said, oh, lots changed, lots changed. I said, well, is that good or bad? He says, I think it's good. I said, why? He says, because people are talking to us more. I said, why do you think? And he looks me in the eye. He says, people will talk to you. They're not afraid of you. Mm. That disconnect, that fear is not serving anyone. We've had some tragedies here. We've tried to deal with them in a more forthright manner. Put out the video if we have the video. You know, give some initial take on what happened in a little more straightforward way. Of course, some people are not going to like that. But, you know, what we're trying to get across here is that we can really have tremendous sense of solidarity and appreciation for all our police do, but also understand what is bluntly centuries of pain. There's a repair we have to do. There's a healing we have to do. And again, we, we, we understand this is based on hundreds of years. So one of the things that's been very powerful is officers used to be taken all over the city, never got to build relationships. You know, they go, they go these vertical patrols in public housing. You go into a building never been in before. 
supposed to question people, what are they doing there? I mean, it created all sorts of negativity. Now, when they do those patrols, there's always an officer who has been in that neighborhood long-term who leads the way and says, oh, that's Mrs. Smith, she lives here, you know, all that stuff. They just, they know what's going on. It changes the whole tone. But the other thing we've been saying is, you know, that emphasis on dialogue and intelligence gathering from the community, building the relationship, rather than force. So last year, NYPD officers the entire year used their weapons in an adversarial situation it was less than 40 times in the entire year in the entire city. Um, think about that. Yeah, I mean, think that's, about the that's it's like 36,000 officers, 8.5 million people, 365 days a year. They use their weapons less than 40 times. That's been continuing to go down over the last few years. I mean, it's an amazing amount of restraint. These things all come together. If the weapons are used less... And also what Trelane's been emphasizing, the mental health training, a lot more officers now, it's 8,000 officers have been trained how to deal with folks who have mental illness challenges. You get a lot less use of force, and that actually opens up that channel of communication with the community when they don't go through those kind of experiences. All right, we have more with the man and his wife. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio and his wife, Charlene, in the building. Charlamagne? What about holding officers responsible? Because I know Erica Garner, before she died, she was very vocal about she felt like you didn't hold the officers responsible that, that killed her father. Eric Garner, rest in peace. Yes, may you rest in peace. And it's a... it's a Not right. No, it's a tangled Not situation right. because this all depends on the Department of Justice has the first rights here because they may prosecute. We can't act until they act. It's wildly frustrating for everyone. We have a very tangled system of justice that we don't have full control over. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all know it's not right. It's supposed to have speedy justice. Right. It's supposed to be, you know, there's supposed to be fairness involved. And, and it's, it's, it's unwieldy. We, we have to you know, do everything we can to, to change the system. And, and, and it's not easy. We're certainly trying to do what we can. But it is not all within our control. Yeah, and there's no sense so. of speedy justice. I mean, that's the, no, that's the pain of this. It's like either choose to prosecute or don't choose to prosecute, and then everybody else can take their actions. But this is literally going on now. It's going to be four years soon. It's crazy. It's just so wrong. Do we ever feel powerless? When you're dealing with the federal government? Of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't understand how anyone could not decide on what to do for almost four years. I don't understand mm-hmm. that. Because it has a huge ramification on the ground for communities. Mm-hmm. But I think... You know, one thing we've learned is the closer you are to communities, the more, more empathy you feel, more response you feel. We understand a lot of people in pain over this. We understand people feel that justice has been denied. But I think if you're off in Washington, it's just something abstract, and so they can wait for years and years. But it's, it's horribly painful for everyone involved. Can you say police are wrong? You can say they're wrong when you prove it, but there has to be due process. You also have to say they're right when they're right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, I think this is, gets to your earlier question about where do elected leaders fall in all this. Because we watch a video like Aragon again, choked on me, like, yo, that's wrong. Like, that can't, right. that's right. not he he the way agree. to do it. Right. right. Yeah. It should not have happened. We know, I mean, look, we, there's the situation with Deborah Danner, too, the 65 year old woman. We know when things should not have happened. Mm-hmm. That's a different question whether. Whether someone meant for it to happen, whether they premeditate or not, these are all different questions. And there should be due process. By the way, we all want due process for ourselves. But we got to be able to say, and we certainly did say it in the case of Deborah Danner, you know, that that, that situation was not handled right. It's quite clear it wasn't handled right. She should not have died. I said it. Jimmy O'Neill said it. Yes, we can say those things. But we do not take away the due process for the people involved. Gotcha. Your daughter wanted to talk about the, the drug use. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm seeing that more and more kids are using drugs and more and more kids are using vapor. And they're asking to legalize marijuana in New York City. Do you think that's a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? Do you think it would be possible? 
I'm not there yet for several reasons. I don't, you know, we know now, beginning to know something about what it looks like to legalize in our society because some states have done it. And I'm trying to get a sense of what that has meant for them. Is that meant? It's a lot of money that's going to somebody else's pocket. Well, right. I believe we should legalize it because I don't think people should be penalized and punished for using it, but I think it should be highly regulated. And I think what's happening is people see it as a cash cow and mm-hmm. you know they they you know it's like make desserts candies all kinds of things and not thinking about our children right. they're not thinking about people who are predisposed to to addiction mm-hmm. I mean, you i don't care what anybody says i i've spoken to the addiction experts anything is can be a gateway drug right. uh, glue so if this is not highly regulated um and and we don't think about wellness for our young people young adults especially first then they're very susceptible to being um, hooked on, on, on this. Uh, I, I know. You know, I, I've lived through it. You have some substance abuse issues? Absolutely. I, okay. I, I love marijuana as a young person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, and I know that it can be difficult to, to stop using. I think that we need to stop. We need to look at what the other states are doing. But think about how we can legalize it, but not make it less accessible Young people whose brains brains are plastic and right. still developing and and separate it from the uh, you know the profit. The well, profit. this is the thing. Sherline yeah. said this to me, blew me away the other day. We were talking about you know the legalization discussion, and and we both feel torn about it. Mm-hmm. Um, could definitely make the argument for why the current situation is ridiculous, but it does not mean legalization like suddenly makes the world a perfect place. And one of the things that Sherline said was, watch out for the corporate dynamic. You know, we're we're right now suing the opioid companies, mm-hmm. you know, the pharmaceutical companies that created, literally created the opioid crisis. They hooked a generation of Americans on, on prescription painkillers. And that, and a lot of them are still hooked on that. A lot of them were lost and died because of it. And then others transferred over to heroin and are hooked on that or died about from that. So this was young people who are all hooked on, you know, uh, on college campuses, you know, Ritalin and all the. Well, who can the right. second generation crackhead sue then? Because we, I feel like we need to be able to sue somebody too. <laughs> who can we sue? Not the pharmaceutical companies, right? <laughs> right, but I'm saying it's. I hear you. If if you're talking about something that's from a criminal dynamic, but but I'm saying in some ways it's even worse if it's a corporate dynamic, right. because look at the extent of the opioid crisis that was corporate driven. Look at the tobacco crisis. Look right. at how many people we lost. That was corporate driven. Now, Charlene's point uh, that we were literally walking down the street and she said, here's what you should worry about, about legalization. It becomes the next open door for a corporate takeover of that drug industry. Mm-hmm. And then a whole lot more people being hooked and a lot of negative consequences. Even though I understand marijuana is a very different drug than the others. That's why I think we, we kind of have to put it in perspective. So Charlene's point about it, if you're going to do something, you better regulate it from the beginning. That's right. what did not happen with tobacco. That's what did not happen with opioids. It was like oh, we just lost thousands and thousands of people. Now maybe we should regulate it. What would be healthy is to figure out where the hell we're going first before we suddenly unleash this new reality. Because public opinion is all for it, right? right? Mm-hmm. But if you talk to the actual experts, the addiction experts, they'll tell you this is not a safe thing. You know, it really has, we have to look at it very carefully. And we have to remember that the you know the the top uh, money makers in our in our nation and probably in the world is drugs, legal drugs, illegal drugs, and probably after that guns. You know uh, that's so. It's think about the money and think about health and think about what really works for people. I think people just want to stop going to jail. 
Yeah. Hmm. That's what that's, that's the main that's thing. Important. I think. Yeah. That's important. Do you think holding police responsible? Like if they was actually instead of getting acquitted, they were getting charged and they were losing their jobs and actually facing real criminal penalties, you think that would slow them down? Would that would make them think twice? I, I, it does I, slow them down. And it does make a difference. Remember, I mean you these cases that were down, Erica, those are, they loom large, right, in our city and they, as they should, um, because they're so dramatic and so painful and tragic. But you, there are hundreds and hundreds of other uh, people who, like, they they were processed properly, right? Um, I think you can't you can't take it out of perspective. There's mm-hmm. always going to be something, right? You're gonna you're gonna find that dramatic case where things did not go right, the bad apple, the police force, or whatever it is. But there are hundreds and thousands of cases that go very smoothly. Look, I think that's really important to emphasize. I get why the tragedies are so painful. And I get why people put them in a historical line and say, uh, well, if this hasn't been resolved to uh, in a way we feel good about, then nothing's changed. I think Charlene's hitting the core of this. It's all the tragedies that aren't happening. You know, it's all the times now that the gun is not being pulled out because mm-hmm. we've taught de-escalation. It's all the times that something doesn't jump up because there's already a pre-existing relationship between that officer and the community members. This is, you can see it in the numbers. Again, you're talking about the whole city. The police officers use their weapon less than 40 times in a whole year, all officers combined. That is profoundly important. That should be the story because that's about all those lives that were saved all around. And obviously with crime going down, that means everyday residents who didn't experience crime, that's where the, the real deep activity is here in this discussion. On each tragedy, our job is to try and learn from it, stop it from happening. And yes, there's going to be due process. And due process is not always satisfying. I mean, that's painful. My job, by the way, is to respect due process. I'm not going to comment on each outcome because i got to respect. We would all want it for ourselves, as I said. But in the end, I do believe a lot of people are feeling a difference in how they are policed. I think a lot of people felt over-policed before. We're trying to change that. I think they felt more distance from police. We're trying to change that. It's not a perfect reality, but you can see change coming. And, and we all have to be part of it. All right. Well, he has to, he has to go, guys. Oh, I got I, I, I to ask this question for you, because this was in the post. Uh, Harindra Singh, he's saying that he bribed you with campaign contributions in exchange for favors. Got to give you a chance to Can I say bull on radio? Can I say that? There you go. I mean, it's just It's just, it's, guy is a criminal. I understand why the media gives him any legitimacy. Nothing like that happened. Nothing like that ever would happen in my life. Didn't like, they have him recorded saying that he was going to make something up? Yes, that's Ooh. came out recently. And yeah, I, I feel like that. after weeks and weeks and weeks of them trying to give this guy all this play, suddenly they have a recording of him saying, well, I guess I better make something up so it'll sound good. I and mean, it's just absolute bull****. So when things like that happen and you know it's bull****, do you want to release a statement? Or you wait for somebody to ask you? Or you just... We constantly say it didn't happen, and a whole lot of people don't listen because they want to get their headlines, right. which is a sad state of affairs. But, you know, this too shall pass. Word. All right, well, thank you to the mayor and his wife for joining us. When we come back, rumors on the way, so don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning. Now, let's get to these rumors. Let's find out what video has 5 billion views. It's time. She's spilling the tea. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, in less than a year and a half, Louis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee have gotten 5 billion views on Despacito. Wow. On what? What site? On On YouTube? YouTube. Yes, on YouTube. So no other video is even close to that. Interestingly, even though Justin Bieber got on uh, the track as well, he's not in the video. So 
this is just uh, the two of them. Like wow. his fans are watching the song, the video, over and over and over again. All right, so congratulations to them. Five billion views. Now, DJ Khaled, remember uh, Raffaello and company, the jewelry company, was suing him Mm -hmm. because he, according to them, decided to keep two Rolex watches, a diamond chain and a pair of diamond earrings and a four-carat diamond ring, all valued at more than $100,000. Well, Khaled has just filed documents in this ongoing lawsuit. Now, what he's saying is that Raffaello and company used a company called the American Board of Certified Gemologists, who would appraise the jewelry at inflated prices. For instance, he says he paid $110,000 for a chain, and it had a bogus appraisal certificate for $240,000. So he was saying the two companies work together. They sell jewelry at a much higher price by giving them a fake appraisal. So misrepresenting the quality and the value. I don't know about this rich Negro talk. What's, What's going on here? I was confused. I'm confused. I know when the appraisals are usually higher than what you pay for it, but what does that have to do with how much he... I don't know. He's saying that the appraisals were way higher than what the jewelry was even worth. That's usually what it is. Right, but so he was saying that it got appraised for $240,000 and he paid $110,000, but it's not really worth... $240,000. $240,000. What's the sales at Target today? Talk to me about something I know, man. What's popping at So this at is an ongoing lawsuit with DJ Khaled. And I'm confused. I guess he's not deciding to return this. You don't understand that? He's saying that the jewelry company works with the appraisal company. I know, but what does that have to do with how much he paid for the jewelry? That has he's nothing saying to do that with that. Pay for if the somebody tells you this is worth $240,000 and it's not worth anywhere near that because they appraise it at way, way higher than what it should be because they're working in conjunction to raise the prices. So you think you're getting a great deal by paying $110,000. Maybe it's not even worth that. I don't have nothing worth $240,000. My life insurance is only $200,000. Appraisals are usually more than what you pay for the jewelry anyway when you buy jewelry or diamonds, though. Well, so I'm if you just... buy a Rolex Why for $20,000... So what y'all talking about? The appraisal is usually thirty thousand. That's usually how it is. I'm confused. DJ Khaled <laughs> needs to eat a salad. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Khaled saying the two of them work in conjunction with each other to make people pay way more than they should be paying for jewelry. What this got to do with Weight Watchers, Khaled? <laughs> now, Lala Anthony and Anthony Anderson are returning as hosts for VH1's Dear Mama, a love letter to moms. That's going to air on VH1 on May seventh. This is the third time that they are hosting that special together. In the past, we've seen Mary J. Blige, Ludacris, Alicia Keys, uh, Halle. Barry, Maxwell, all of them honor their mothers with musical tributes. And Will Smith and his children also honor Jada Pinkett Smith with a thoughtful video. So it should be a beautiful thing. I'm dropping mm-hmm. the clues bombs for La Lizzy. La La. All right. And Jay-Z, he's going to be, again, on David Letterman. They've been releasing these clips for My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. That is David Letterman's show that is a Netflix interview show. It's going to be on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And here's Jay-Z talking about Blue Ivy. Me and my daughter talk like I told her to get in the car the other day because she was asking a thousand questions and we had to leave for school. And I got in the car and then like I'm faced this way, painting a picture of how healthy my children are. So we drive it and then I just hear a little voice, Dad, I didn't like when you told me to get in the car the way you told me. It, it, it hurt. She's six. It hurt my feelings. You know what I'm <laughs> That's the most beautiful thing you've ever said to me. That's right, Blue. You keep that pressure on him. Drop one of the clues bombs for Blue Ivy. Keep your daddy in check because my baby's got me in check. Keep your foot on his neck, Mm -hmm. all right? All right, I got two little feet on my neck at the house. Two daughters, all right? It is what it is. Well, that would be four feet. Well, no, not if it's just one foot apiece. Okay, all right. right. Okay? Gosh, and I'm the one with no college education now? I'm just saying, all right. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. <laughs> Thank you, Yee. Charlamagne! Yes, sir. Who are you giving that dong continue? Listen, man, uh, it's, a, it's a young woman. Her name is uh, Holly Morris, I believe it is. I mean, yes, Holly Morris. 
uh, from Fox 5 DC. She needs to come to the front of the congregation. We would like to have a word with her because for some reason she has a problem with black excellence. Okay. All right? Or maybe it's not black excellence. Let's just say excellence in general because this is just stupid. Okay? Let's okay. talk about it. Okay. All right. We'll do that when we come back. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Donkey of the day. Donkeys of the day, ex-jungle I'm a Democrat, so being donkey of the day is a little bit of a mixed one. So like a donkey. Yeehaw. Okay. Donkey of the day. <laughs> the Breakfast Club, bitches. Now, I've been called a lot in my 23 years, but donkey of the day is a new one. Yes, donkey of the day for Thursday, April 4th, goes to Allison Seymour, Holly Morris, and Fox, Fox 5 DC as a staff, record label, news organization, and mother effing crew. Really, Holly Morris is getting most of this donkey. Uh, she is a news anchor on Fox 5 DC in Washington. <clears throat> Before we get into them, let me salute a young king by the name of Michael Brown. Now, Michael Brown is from Houston, uh, I believe, and he applied to 20 different colleges and was accepted to absolutely all of them. Drop on the clues dope. bombs for this young king. Dope, dope, okay. Dope. Yale. Princeton, Harvard, John Hopkins, the University of Texas at Austin and Georgetown, Stanford, just to name a few. Hampton. I don't know about that one. This young black brother applied to 20 colleges and got into every single one of them. God bless that young brother. How can you not root for that? Okay. It's amazing. Matter of fact, we have audio of him being surrounded by friends and family and getting accepted to Stanford. Let's let's listen and hear what black boy joy sounds like. I love it. Drop one of those bombs for Michael Brown again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those are amazing problems to have, figuring out which college you want to go to. Well, in life, we don't all see things the same way. Uh, I have accepted that. It's something that I have always known, but certain things I just expect us to all be on the same page about, okay? It's surprising that you would find anyone out there who would be upset at this. I saw the movie Idiocracy for the first time last night. Uh, starring Luke Wilson and Maya Rudolph. Uh, my partner, Lil Duval told me to watch it. And damn, if that's not the best documentary about the current state of America right now, okay, uh, I don't I don't know anyone that's better. So after watching that movie, which is about the dumbing down of society and how in the year 2,500 anti-intellectualism permeates the culture, I am ecstatic that this young brother, Michael Brown, got accepted to 20 of the top colleges in the country. Okay, in the words of the late great combat Jack, keep raising the ball, Michael Brown. Now, once again, I don't see how you can find the negative in any of this, but somehow, Holly Morris and uh, Sarah Simmons found a way to do it. Now, I got this from one of the most prominent news sources in the black community today, uh, The Shade Room. Well, actually, it's Holly Morris and Allison Seymour, okay? But this is from The Shade Room, and this is uh, Allison Seymour, Holly Morris, and Sarah Simmons discussing Michael Brown being accepted to 20 different schools. Let's hear it. Michael Brown is his name. You're talking Yale, Harvard, Princeton, literally all of them. And he got full rides to all of them. Full rides. So it has sparked the discussion, though, of how many schools you should apply to. And do you think it's a little ridiculous that this kid applied to 20, taking away uh, a spot and basically waitlisting another kid? Yeah. Well, I'm probably most people won't agree with me, but I actually think it's ridiculous to apply to 20 schools. I do. I am I urging mean, my children not to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, he could have applied to five he would have gotten in all five it would have been equally as impressive ten would have been impressive and you you can google as many articles as you want admissions officers will say on average you should apply to four to eight schools right you think this is a little obnoxious i think it's a little obnoxious because you can only go to one you can only take one full ride and you are taking a spot from someone else who who worked really hard i'm not the highest grade of weed in the dispensary but i don't get it 
Uh, Holly Morris says Michael applying to 20 schools is obnoxious. Do you know what the definition of obnoxious is? Extremely unpleasant. Okay, annoying, irritating. What is extremely unpleasant or annoying about Michael Brown being accepted to all 20 colleges? Holly, your reasoning is because he can only get into one, but then you say he could have just applied to five or ten. Well, if he can only get into one, by your logic, why is five or ten acceptable to apply to? But 20 isn't? Who cares? What's the difference between 10 and 20? Ten more? I don't give a damn what studies say, okay? Michael saw 20 schools. He may have wanted to attend. He threw every single one of them against the wall to see what stuck, and they all sticked. What's the problem? <laughs> and Allison, come on, sister. Why are you agreeing with this young lady, Holly, okay? You black. All right, you have to let Holly know that the way her privilege is set up and the way Michael's privilege is set up is totally different, okay? Holly talking about averages. She don't understand that those averages that apply to her don't apply to Michael, okay? Michael has to be above average to get the same average opportunities that mediocre people with no melanin like yourself get. All right, correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't go to college, but don't you got to pay for college applications? Yes, you do, unless yep. you can prove you have some financial hardship and you can get the fees waived. Okay, and, and also, if you want a wait list, all right. Uh, once Michael says he's not going to the other 19 schools, don't people who got bumped off get put back on because he's not on the list no more? Yeah, because yes. as a matter of fact, a lot of people end up getting in off the wait list because people who uh, apply to colleges end up going. Everybody applies to more than one. So I asked the question again, mm -hmm. Holly, what's the problem? There should be no problem. <laughs> and actually, probably the reason that he is so successful in life is because he is an overachiever yes. the way that he is. So you can never take for granted the fact that you know you're going to get into the top school of your choice. You're better off applying to all the schools that you would actually feel like you might go to just in case it doesn't work out the way that you intended. Absolutely. Well, the reason you do it is... is you apply to all the schools because you never know who's going to give you how much money. Like mm. one school might give you a full ride. One school might give you a half ride. I applied to 10. And some gave me a half you got ride. A half of one. No, I, I got in the half. Of <laughs> I got, but you I, can't ever take for granted that you'll get into the top school of absolutely. your choice. So yeah, you yeah, might yeah, as well yeah. apply. And then there's other thing, other factors that might weigh, might, might weigh in. Like you said, how much money you're getting. Maybe you having a hundred percent made up your mind. Maybe absolutely. Stanford was his number one choice. But if he didn't, he didn't know where he might want to go. But it makes perfect sense to me for him to apply to as many schools as he wants. You can. Oh look, Holly Morris, Allison Seymour. I see y'all on Twitter trying to defend what you said about Michael. Uh, a young lady named Lynette Chambers said to Allison Seymour, "You should be ashamed." yourself to sit there and partake in the bashing of this young man for reaching for the stars. You out all three in this segment should know better. That's because you're black, Allison. She didn't say that I said that. Uh, I really hope that you are not limiting your children to mediocrity just to appease folk. And Lynette put folk in parentheses. I agree. Now, uh, I'm not going to sit here and continue to tell y'all what y'all problems are because I saw Holly say on Twitter, I have had much worse said about me and my family on blogs, radio, social media, many of which have more followers than we have few viewers. But I don't let the opinions of those I don't know and who don't know me bother me. Well, let me speak in a language you understand. That segment sucked, all right? And if you want to hear how it should have been done, let's go to KHOU11 for the report, please. You know, this is the time of year when high school seniors start finding out which college applications have been accepted. And one young man in the third ward sent out more than enough and was shocked when the responses started pouring in. What a story. And this man's reaction to the very, very good news 
absolutely priceless. His name is Michael Brown, and one thing we know for sure is next year, he'll be enrolled in one of America's top universities. He just has to decide which one. He got into every school he applied to, including four Ivy Leagues. Michael has full rides to every single school. Wherever he goes, though, he wants to study political science and then go on to law school. Guys, do you have goosebumps? Uh, that is a drop-the-mic story. <laughs> yeah. I am telling I you, you, Lauren. Wow. Holly and Allison, that's how you report on a human being getting accepted to the top 20 countries in the world. Okay? Colleges. 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 What, what did I say? Countries. countries. I didn't go to college. We could tell. All right. Uh, please give Allison Seymour and Holly Morris the biggest hee-haw, please. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. But salute to KHOU11 in Houston for letting me know I'm not crazy. And congratulations to that young man. Yes, Michael Brown. All right. Now, up next, thank you for that donkey today. Up next is Ask Yee. 800-585-1051. If you got a question for Yee, relationship or any type of question, you can call her right now. 800-585-1051. Ask Yee is next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. That was DJ Khaled for free. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? I want to keep it anonymous. All right, Miss Anonymous. What's your question for Yeezy? So I'm dating this guy that used to date my brother mm -hmm. um, years ago. Whoa. So I've kind of known her in and out of my life as I got older. Wait, you're dating a guy that used to date your brother. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm dating a guy that has a kid with a woman that used to date my brother. Oh, I oh, was yeah, like, okay, there's a lot wow. going on. I'm sorry. Wow. Okay, you're dating a guy who used to has date... a kid. Who has a kid. By a woman that used to date my brother. Okay. So she's been in and out of my life, and I used to be able to call her a friend, but now she's just... We have no friendship, period. Is that weird? I mean, you guys were never, like, close like that, right? She used to date your brother. We were kind of tight because I was a teenager, so we kind of grew up knowing her and being around her. Okay. And did you know this guy through her? Eventually, yeah, I met him through her. But we didn't, by the time he, she started dating him or she started getting with him, we weren't talking. Okay, you, you guys just weren't friends anymore? No, but he hasn't been with her for, like, five years. Now, did and we you... we just recently started talking. Okay, did you at least give her a heads up? Like, hey, just so you know, I started dating this person. No, because her and I ended badly as far as our friendship. It sounds like you guys aren't really friends anymore anyway. No, no, we don't talk. I, we, we happen to pass by in social circles and stuff, but that's all. So what's the problem? I just want to know if it's weird. No, it's, <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's not or like... Is it like disrespectful in any way? Or should I have warned her? Because now that she knows, she's really pissed off about it. I think this, you guys weren't friends. Your friendship ended badly, right? Mm-hmm. And you, it was five years ago she dated this other guy. Yeah. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. Now, if you feel like you want to have a conversation with her now and just put everything on the table so if she's still mad about it, that's on her, you can do that if she you so choose. She doesn't want to converse with me. She wants to, like, argue with me about it, like, as if I owe her an apology or something. Okay, I mean, you, you definitely don't. Now, what about, um, does she have a problem with you near her, her child at all? No, I'm, that's not even an issue. Well, that's good. I think that she's probably just mad right now. How long have you and um, your man been together? 
Uh, we've been talking for two months now. It's still pretty fresh and new to her, so whatever feelings that she has and whatever, it will probably dissipate over time just because it's still kind of new. So mm-hmm. just give her her space. But it's not like y'all cool like that anyway. But I will say that try to do the mature thing so that you're always in the right. And the mature thing is let her know, okay, look, I didn't do this on purpose. I wasn't trying to do this to hurt you. And we just happen to meet each other again and like each other and I don't want you to feel any way about it but this has nothing to do with you so if she has an issue with that and she can't handle that that's really on her like that's not somebody that you you don't owe her anything but I can understand feeling like I don't want to have these bad vibes around my relationship but at the end of the day that's not really on you yeah, I don't have time for the drama. I have too much to lose for all that. And don't feed into the drama either, because that oh, can, you don't not. want that to destroy your relationship I at the same time. I tell him the same thing. Mm-hmm. All right, well, good luck with that. And just, you know, be the, try to always be the bigger person. If it doesn't work out like that, you did your best. Yeah, thank you. All right, you're oh, welcome. DJ Envy. Yes, ma'am. I'm bummed because the spot that you're coming to on Saturday, I'm the bouncer for there, but my boss isn't putting me there, and I was so excited to meet you. Well, person. you're no longer anonymous. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right, pretty much. You're no longer anonymous. Well, people still don't know me. All right, well, come, <laughs> come on out anyway. Well, I'll be working at another spot, so uh, maybe another time. Oh, that sucks. All right, next All right, time. have a good one. All right, you Thank too, you. mama. All right, yeah, I'll be in Connecticut this uh, weekend. Ask Yee, 800-585-1051. If you got a question for Yee, call her now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. We're in the middle of Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Hi, good morning. This is Michelle. Good morning. What's your question for Yee? Okay, um, you weren't here last time I called, and you were in Africa. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I called. No, it's okay. I called, and I told Yee um, about my situation with my son's father. Um, I have a three-month-old baby with him, mm-hmm. oh, and yes. we've been having pretty much of a rough time. I remember. You said you didn't feel like he was helping out the way that he should be, and he thought it was funny. Yeah, and he wasn't really, like, interested in showing me any affection or any time or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I found out that he has been um, on dating websites and he's been cheating on me. And um, mm. we actually called the girl okay. on speaker. We spoke to her and she pretty much told me everything. And I didn't argue with her. It's not her fault. It's his. And then after we got off the phone and she told me everything that was going on, he then proceeded to deny it. Mind you, he was there. He didn't deny anything in front of her. And then so he waited till after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he waits till after and is like, oh, no, she's lying. So we live together. Mm-hmm. My question is, would I be wrong for giving him a 30-day notice to get out of my house? I feel like if I do it in any other way, he's going to spaz out and try I to make I think you'd actually be really nice for that. <laughs> Because I would be like, you got to get out immediately. But I understand you guys have a three-month-old. And it's interesting because you said you didn't think he was cheating before. Correct. I thought, he's always been a flirt. So I thought maybe, you know, the most he would, you know, flirt every now and then. But I never thought that he was actually hanging out with girls, going on, like, dating websites. Like, actually, you know, the the girl told me that he told her that he was looking for a serious relationship. Like, that's way past flirting. They hung out. He's taking my car to go give her a jump and to go visit her and Michelle you are a very rational person a very <laughs> because I don't know if no, I could even think straight we've been in aggressive situations before the last time I tried to kick him out he broke my windshield so this time I'm trying to do this in a nicer manner so that I don't end up being the one that's I, on the I would recommend mm-hmm. if I were you to first of all have somebody on 
hand by me that I feel comfortable will protect me just in case he goes a little crazy. Because he has to understand that this is, he's clearly got some psychotic issues if he won't even admit that he's cheating. The fact that you could sit there, call the person right in front of him, and he could act like he has no idea afterward what she's talking about and deny it. He's got some, yeah. He's there's definitely something wrong with him, but I'm concerned about your safety now because you do want him to get out, and it mm-hmm. seems like you're concerned that he might do something physical. Correct. So I am definitely, what I would say is because you have these concerns, I would perhaps try to make sure I talk to somebody like in my family. Is there anybody that you can have come over, friends or something like that? I my dad come over. I probably, to keep it real, would pack up his stuff. I, I really don't want this to go all the way left. I know that if I go to start packing up his stuff the minute that he gets home, because I work during the day, he works at night, mm-hmm. it's going to be like World War Three. I mean, look, clearly, he, possible, clearly he wants to date other people. So what you need yeah. to do is tell him, I can see that you don't want to be with me. And that's fine. I don't want I'm not trying to stay here with you in a relationship where I'm unhappy and you're unhappy. So let's just agree that for the sake of our child, we behave like mature adults. You get your stuff together 30 days and, um, you know, I'm going to give you a time limit to get out. And that's it. And I'm just concerned because I, I feel like, has he put his hands on you before? No, not really. Not really or no? Not really. So he has. Um, like, he's, like, we've got arguments and like he's like pushed me out of the way and stuff but he's never like hit me or anything like that so do you, do you feel like he might put his hands on you if it ever got that far yeah maybe okay and i try not to ever let it escalate and that's why i don't want to do this in any manner that's gonna end up making me the victim of something that i don't want to be the victim of i want to take my power back in this situation i don't want to continue to feel powerless to him well i would feel very comfortable if you spoke to somebody who's a professional because i don't want to give you advice and then something terrible ends up happening to you because i'm concerned about your well-being oh, i understand does he have to leave or can you leave it's my apartment i want him to leave my father owns that unit oh okay well there it is uh, you know what do you have you told your father you know he's been aware that you know that he's been a flirt before and i've been uncomfortable with it um but we were gonna try to work on our relationship and you know he told me that everything was gonna be good and nothing was gonna happen anymore so he doesn't know anything as of recent you need to you need to give your dad a heads up you have to let your family know this isn't isn't something you should be dealing with alone i agree i think i just have a tendency to try to handle it all on my own you can't you can't protect him you can't handle it on your own don't be embarrassed ashamed of anything that happened it's not your fault that this is the person that he is but i don't want you to handle this where nobody in your family knows what's going on and then something happens they need to be aware okay yeah i completely agree all right, Michelle, hold on. I'm going to get your information so we can stay in contact. All right, Michelle, thank you, Mama. Hold thank on. you. Ask ye, 800-585-1051. You, we got rumors on the way? Yes, there was a rumor that Kanye and Travis Scott were being managed by Kris Jenner. Well, here's what Kylie Jenner has to say about that. All right, we'll get into all that when we come back. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Verizon, Verizon got nerve sending me emails talking about my payment date is approaching. He just cut me off last week. <laughs> they want to make sure. <laughs> I don't like that, man. They just cut you off last week and you owe already? Yes. Well, pay They your got bill. nerve, man. Pay your bill. I better pay mine, too. All right, let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Cardi B. The seventh. Listen up. It's just in. All the guys. The rumor report. Gossip. Gossip. With Angela, Angela Yee. It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club.
But Cardi B's new album comes out tomorrow, Invasion of Privacy, her debut album. Drop one of Clues Bombs for Cardi B. Body, damn it. Midnight tonight. She did release the track track listing for Invasion of Privacy, and she has two guest appearances that we can see on here. We know both of them, Bardia Cardi featuring 21 Savage and Drip featuring Amigos. But she said she does have some surprises. She said, I know you have some questions. Don't ask me. And just find out on Friday. Thank you. Body is 25, right? So we know Body since she's been 19, 20. Yep. Now, nice. Power okay. 105, locally in New York, we are doing the Feature 5 with Cardi B. So Let's talk about that payroll we on. Let's talk about it. No, Cardi B is going to play five of her favorite tracks from her new album exclusively. It's going to start uh, tonight at midnight, and mm-hmm. then we're going to be doing that on The Breakfast Club also, and then at 12 noon, 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. as well. So in addition to that, we'll be playing your new Cardi tracks at the top of every hour. So it's all about Cardi in New York City on Friday because she's from New York. So basically, we're playing all Cardi tomorrow. Yeah. All Cardi. Drop one of Clues Bombs for Cardi B. We've been riding with Cardi since she's been 19, 20 years old before she was rapping. We played Cheap Ass Weave on the radio. Y'all don't even remember Cheap Ass Weave, dude. Cheap Ass Weave. (laughs) All right, so congratulations to Cardi B. I know it's going to be a big deal. Mm -hmm. All right, Travis Scott and Kanye West, there were rumors, according to Complex, that Kris Jenner was taking over their management while Kylie Jenner posted, this isn't true. And she put the uh, annoyed emoji where she has your hand over her head. So I guess uh, that's not happening, and they're saying it's not going down. So for everybody that was saying that yesterday, no. Travis Scott and Kanye West are not getting career guidance from Kris Jenner. Thank God. All right, Vivica A. Fox. We told you before about 50 Cent being in her new book. She Mm -hmm. said he was the one that got away for sure. She said, I have moved on and I am happy. Last year we had a feud and there were some things that weren't clear about our relationships. And now when you read the book, there is complete clarity about our relationship. I have tons of respect for him. I'm at peace with it. And I think he's at peace with it, too. Now, she also talks about Prince. I didn't know this. But did you know that she stayed at Prince's house for a year rent-free? No. Really? Yeah, so I guess that's going to be in her book also. First of all, why would Prince be charging somebody rent? As as rich as Prince was? You know my rule. If I'm with somebody that got more money than me, I'm not paying for nothing. Rent included. For a whole year. That's amazing. Now, her book is called Every Day I'm Hustling. And she's telling all this to page six. She said, I was really blessed. Talk about guardian angels in life. I was living in Hell's Kitchen. I just moved here from Huntington Beach, California. My friend came by to visit me one day, and she walked in and was like, what are you doing here? She said, my friend was dating Prince at the time, but he was never there, so I could stay at his place. That time was a golden era. I have been so blessed to have such amazing friends that have looked out for me, and that is what's in the book, My Voice, My Journey. So Prince didn't know. She, he probably did know, uh, but he wasn't there, so her friend probably was like, just stay at Prince's house. Uh, Vivica Fox didn't come up here to promote her book. She was like, nope. Y- y'all got her <laughs> in trouble last time. Y'all up last time. Yeah, last time I came up here, I had to apologize to the LGBT community. We love you, Vivica. <laughs> Remember, come back well, ain't here. nobody tell her to come up here and say what she said. They ain't got nothing to do with us. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. What did she say anyway? Oh, she said she something didn't want... about her show that she had. No, I asked her about, remember the show, I said, you know, I, I think I said... Uh, About gay men. I said, and- yeah, yeah I said, I'm, I'm yeah. reading it now. It's an old article from the Daily News. The homophobic accusations came after Fox and some of her dancers were asked if gay guys go to shows during an appearance on The Breakfast Club. There you go. Yes, and I guess she said she didn't want the gay no, community at her, her shows. Up, I don't know what she said. That. All right, now, she The Rock is having so. secret political meetings. He's ma- taking measures in case he no. does decide to run no. someday. He's not going to do it now. No. But he's been taking under-the-radar meetings no. with political experts after no. announcing last year no. he was considering a presidential no. bid. No, I just saw Idiocracy last night. 
Mm-hmm. All right, Terry Crews' character on Idiocracy <laughs> is a lot like The Rock's character in real life. Rock's, Rock's a little bit more sophisticated, but we don't need any more celebrity in Chiefs, bro. Not The Rock, not Oprah. What about if he starts off slow? We, we, we don't governor. want Trump. No, man. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you, if, you know what? I don't have any problem with that. If you actually go through the process and like you start yeah. somewhere else, yeah, fine. But no. not, not Yeah, The Rock admitted he didn't vote in the 2016 presidential election, no. but he did vote for Obama in 2008 and 2012. Nope. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. All right. Shout to Revolt. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice mixes up next. Let me know what you want to hear. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning.